Newcastle and the Hunter Valleys, 2 and URFM 103.7. It's nice to have you with us for our Thursday afternoon. It means it's finance today with Stephen Pritchard. Stephen is with us as we take a look at the commodities in the markets. Uh, the commodities in the markets today, Dave. Um, so the gold price was down on the week by about 2% to $1,472 uh, dollars an ounce. It's continuing to drift down the last couple of weeks. Um, the silver price was down um, by 1.6% 1, 1. to $19.53. Um, and the copper price um, continued continues to drift down um, to $6,375 an ounce, which is down another 2% on the week. Now, the copper price is probably the more concerning because that's generally seen as a lead indicator of economic activity. And as the demand for copper falls, um, it's generally expected the economy is contracting. Um, the Australian dollar was up this week against the US dollar to uh, 72 uh, cents. Um, so it was up about 1%. Uh, we're up against the Great British Pound um, by Two percent to forty-seven ninety-six pence, and we were uh, steady against the New Zealand dollar of a dollar and ten. And around the world, the equities markets were quite good. They were all basically up for the week. Um, the All Ordinaries, which is our major index, was up uh, 1% to 5,245. Uh, the US market was up half a percent to 17,813. And the Hang Seng, which is a Hong Kong index, was up 1.3% to 22,498. And the oil price, the oil price was also up about 1% to $59.56 a barrel. And the local fuel price, which is uh, what everyone seems to be most interested in, um, the unleaded petrol price this morning was a dollar twenty-seven cents a litre, and Sydney was a dollar thirty cents, a dollar thirty a litre, and the diesel price was in Newcastle a dollar twenty-eight, and Sydney was a dollar twenty-two a litre. So that's our commodities and petrol prices and currencies for the week. Henry, you there, Henry? Stephen, hi. Hi, Henry. You're back. I'm back. Um, How are you? Good, good. A bit warm down there in Sydney today? <laughs> it's very warm. It's uh, 35 degrees or something stupid. So ah, so, you, so you're, stuff. You're, 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 you're down by the beach cooling your toes in the... I wish. I'm actually in the city at the moment. So, oh, um, it'd be worse than that. Yes. Yes. It's a bit warm. Yes. So it's, it's getting a bit warm at BHP by the sound of it. There's right. talk today that... The dividends on the rocks and the share prices at a decade low. Well, I think uh, you know BHP ultimately will have to uh, abandon their progressive dividend policy. We have until February for them to uh, to decide. But um, certainly overnight, uh, former chairman Don Argus came out and said that the progressive dividend policy was never actually meant to be set in stone. Um, and Jack Nasser as well very much uh, avoided the subject of the dividend policy. Uh, at the uh, at the AGM and concentrated very much on the uh, on the balance sheet, which uh, current commodity prices would be taking a little bit of a hit. So, I suspect that we will see BHP move to cut their dividend uh, in February. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, well, and that should just make the shares fall lower again, I assume. Well, I think most commentators have actually been saying this for some time that really it is unsustainable, and unlike when uh, we saw Telstra. Um, sort of hold back the tide, but their dividend policy sort of kink nude like uh, some years ago. Um, BHP really hasn't got the cash flow to do this, and they will be paying out far more in dividends than they're going to be receiving mm. due to uh, the lower commodity prices. So we'll actually have to be borrowing money to pay shareholders, and this is clearly unsustainable and, and will have a detrimental effect to their balance sheet. So 
Um, I think the sensible thing would be to uh, to cut the dividend, put in some sort of payout ratio as opposed to uh, some sort of fixed line in the sand, which is what they have at present. Yeah, I think that's probably a sensible approach. And now Woolworths is uh, Woolworths <laughs> is going back to Roger Corbett as a consultant to the board. Yeah, well, Woolies is, is getting in as much hot water, I guess, as, as BHP. And I was writing this morning in the newsletter how you know it wasn't that long ago that Qantas was was kind of in this uh, in this same situation with with the media ganging up on it mm. and seemingly in a in a complete and utter uh, disastrous place. And Woolies, like Qantas, is kind of an Australian out um, icon, I guess. And, and we we the press seems to love uh, bagging Woolies. They've got their AGM today. Yes, which will be interesting. Interesting. Starts at one o'clock in Sydney. So that's going to be a fiery meeting. And they've even uh, taken the unusual step of banning the media from the meeting. So um, that's going to make life interesting. But uh, they've been calling on Roger Corbett, who was uh, a bit of a Woolies uh, darling from the uh, from the nineties and, and early two thousands to, to save them. So we'll wait and see whether uh, he can. But um, yeah, I guess that they've got lots of issues to address. Woolies, and uh, not least of which is Masters and uh, Big W. And, competition mm. and, and mm. all sorts of things so it should be an interesting AGM to say the least so are you going along no, no oh. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Woolworths shareholder thankfully oh well you know. <laughs> yeah lots of Woolworths shareholders um yes yeah, so it's a, I noticed they haven't called on Paul Simon who's reassured them twice before no, uh, no not a... yet but there's still time because at the moment they they're still effectively a rudderless to some extent because their CEO Grant O'Brien is um is still there despite resigning, and, and and there's going to be much made about him still being there, given that the reason he's still there is not because he's doing a fantastic job, but because um, he's uh, the boards are allowing him to accrue holiday pay and uh, various other long service benefits, so that he can retire with a big fat nine to ten million dollar check, which um, mm. does seem a little um, does seem a little nasty to shareholders, considering the pain that they've worn. Yep. They're going to wear another heap of pain. Uh, out uh, Grant O'Brien. Yeah, it should come out their director's fees. Anyhow, anyhow, um, CBA uh, apparently yep. has got another problem. They've overcharged borrowers and uh, in interest rates and fees and now have to pay $80 million back. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is um, you know, unfortunately, um, small fry um, for, uh, for CBA. So, um, you know, despite the fact that not long ago, I think a couple of weeks ago, they came out and said they were going to be the ethical bank and they were going to do everything mm-hmm. ethically. Um, it seems that this is uh, that they're going to be an ethical bank from that day forward, as, as opposed to going back in the past, which some of the things they have done um, have certainly not been that ethical, and they seem to have been overcharging people. So I think I, think I read somewhere that people were going to receive to uh, three hundred and seventy odd dollars in compensation from uh, CBA for this this overcharging. Um, but uh, yeah, not a good look. But um, bank profits are a huge, um, so eighty million bucks is is, is a very small drop in the ocean for uh, for CBA. Yeah, I wonder, how, I wonder how they're calculating what needs to be paid back. I mean, I wonder if they're paying back the people the uh, return as well that CBA's made on the $80 million or just, just going to give them some paltry interest rate. But to be fair, they should be, they should be paying back the, the money they've overcharged plus the, the money that they've actually earned on that, which is probably 18 or 90% per annum. Yeah, but they're a bank. Yes, yes, but they're ethical now. They're ethical. I'm sure they will pay back as little as they can get away. I I can't believe they made that statement about being ethical, to be honest. Anyhow, 
Um, I don't think anyone believes them, though. No, no, I just... <laughs> yeah. um, and shareholders... Now, this was a turnaround after what happened at IAG. Shareholders, yeah. an aristocrat, allegedly don't want the board to pay dividends and they want to buy um, additional overseas businesses. Yeah, I mean, aristocrat have been a, a massively successful story. Yeah, they have been successful. Story. Yeah. Um, I mean, whether you like pokies or not, which I, I find them morally um, abhorrent, but, yep. um, you know, with 10% of them in New South Wales, it is a fact of life. Um, Aristocrat have bought a, a US business called VGT some time ago, and a very big acquisition, which I guess the market was somewhat sceptical at the time of. But uh, the share price has gone nuts this year, um, and they've shown that um, they've, they've executed the, the acquisition very well. They've got great exposure to uh, to a falling Aussie dollar through their US dollar business, and they've also embraced digital gaming as well. So um, Aristocrat are looking pretty good. The figures uh, were out yesterday. The stock took a little bit of a, um, a slight pullback, but it ha- is up around 40 or 50% this year, so it's hardly surprising. Um, some of the brokers are suggesting that, uh, you know, that they've done their dash, um, and undoubtedly we're not going to see that kind of performance going into 2016, but but certainly a good, solid performer with a, with a very good story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. It's one of the few Australian businesses that have done well overseas. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, we, we do have some success. Stories. Oh, yeah, we do. Um, yeah. We do. But, um, you know, it's sometimes um, sometimes management is not always up to the task and uh, the hubris and ego gets in the way. But uh, but certainly, you know, aristocrat are being, um, are certainly being favoured by investors because they're putting money back into the business and expanding their their US business at the expense of dividends and, and certainly we've, we've seen that people are keener on growth recently mm-hmm. rather than just yield alone which won't support um, market prices. That's right and, and of course um, speaking of uh, investors disasters which aristocrat is obviously at the other end of the spectrum um, BrizConnect seems to be getting buried at last with Transurban buying off the receivers. Yes I mean BrizConnect um, for those people with longish memories remember that it basically went bust. It was a spectacularly unsuccessful float, probably one of the most unsuccessful floats um, ever. Um, you know, within months, it was basically on its knees. Um, and uh, then there were lots of machinations with hedge funds buying up the debt, mm-hmm. buying up the equity for, uh, for pennies on the dollar. And finally, it has been put out of its misery. It's a bit like golf courses, I guess, in that uh, the first man that builds the golf course spends a huge amount of money and goes bust. And then the second guy comes along and, and tries to do the right thing and do everything up and make it look schmick. Um, but again, unfortunately, it goes bust because there's still too much money invested in it. And the third guy is the guy that uh, actually makes the money out of it once the asset price has been written down. And it looks like Transurban have picked up a pretty good deal in these uh, toll roads in Brisbane and, and the rest of Queensland. So um, they are the third guy, I guess, to uh, the golf course analogy, and, and they should do pretty mm. well. They're very good operators. Um, very experienced operators, so it looks like they've done a good good deal here. And we might uh, just come back in a minute and talk about um, what uh, Jerry Harvey had to say at the Harvey Norman AGM to people who have been sure. criticising him. Henry Jennings, senior commentator with Marcus today. Henry. Be, be, before we get on to uh, Jerry, um, the listeners, yep. our listeners can get a free uh, trial to Marcus today, can't they? By uh, they can. going on to your website. Today.com.au and they can sign up for a free trial for two weeks and, uh, and read some of the words of wisdom that, uh, that we put out on a daily basis. And there's also some comments from you, isn't there? Oh, well, there's lots of comments. 
always from Stephen. That's a comment. So anyone who wants a daily dose of uh, Henry. Yeah, I, I write the daily market stuff. So. Yep. So anyone wants a daily dose of Henry, you know how to get it. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Harvey Norman, Jerry gave it a dose to the shareholders who have been complaining. You've got to love Jerry, haven't you? I mean, <laughs> he does call a spade a spade. And watching the interviews of him after the AGM um, were, were fantastic. And, and I guess he's in a good place because Harvey Norman has been a good performer this year and it has done pretty well on the back of the, um, the housing boom in terms of supplying white goods and, and sofas, etc. to... Uh, people's new houses so they've done pretty well but he, he certainly gave everyone a, a very big spray and um, they were up for their second strike in terms of uh, executive community remuneration from uh, from shareholders but um, he, uh, he he had a real good go there was also some issues um, talking about their, their dairy farm policy <laughs> some listeners remember that uh, uh, the Jerry Harvey and the board were, were pilloried in the in the paper um, for uh, for their small acquisition of a dairy farm and he said, you know, basically, uh, get over yourselves um, in his inimitable way and uh, said that it was such a small part of their business you know, no one should be that worried about it, which does beg the question, if it's such a small part of their business, why did they bother doing it and why were shareholders asked to pay for it rather than Jerry Harvey being uh, paying for it himself? So um, it, it's kind of a two-edged sword, but he was, uh, he was very vocal in his criticism, not only of the market, but also um, in, in commentators uh, having a go at Harvey Norman. Mm. Oh, he might be he might be going to start selling infant baby formula through the stores well, or something. It's the white gold. That's right. That's right. So uh, everybody that yeah. touches infant baby formula um, turns to gold at the moment. That's Bellamy's right. and, yep. and Blackmores and all those kind of guys. Yep, that's right. Oh, they're back up to 188 earlier. They are. Yeah. And uh, Trix, Trix is the alternate uh, exchange or one of the alternate exchanges to ASX, and it, it's um, it's now starting to list its products in its own right, and it has started trading warrants yesterday, I understand. Yeah, I mean, this is another interesting development, I guess. At the moment, Chiax is a, is a very small competitor to the, to the ASX, but it does show um, that the ASX does have some competition. It's interesting they're moving into the warrant market. Of course, when you look overseas, um, their markets are very much fragmented. I mean, you look at the U.S. market. They, they have many different uh, markets and platforms that people use. Um, and the ASX obviously uh, has to take notice of Chiax, but at the moment it's still a very small part of the business. But it, I guess it does show their intent, and they have been successful over the last um, you know, two or three years since they've been uh, competing with the ASX for, uh, for trading uh, accounts. Mm. I mean, I see they made a profit this year for the first time, which was good. Yeah, yeah it's good. And uh, over at Brickworks, there's been another bit of a board bash there. I mean, you know, Ms. Elizabeth Crouch has tried to get herself onto the board and was promptly voted down by the by the shareholders on the advice of the existing board. But what's all that about? Yeah, it's, it's an odd one, isn't it? Um, there, there's certainly been some more activism this year in terms of... Uh, in terms of boards and appointments, and I guess this is um, this is a good sign that the shareholders are uh, are not going to just take things lying down and, and not just vote people on willy nilly. So mm-hmm. I guess it is a good sign, but um, but certainly odd. It's not not usual that a, a director will well someone will put themselves up for uh, for being a director and they get uh, they get completely voted uh, down. So um, unusual, but um, it is happening, which is good. Well- 
But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was odd her stance that the board was archaic and an old boys' club. And yeah. you know, you know, as a shareholder, I would have thought all you're really concerned about is her ability to increase the profits of Rickworks and the dividends, and she didn't seem to address any of that. So, no, so, well, so, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot, an awful lot of boards around the country that could be uh, called archaic and boys' clubs. Um, mm. Certainly, the uh, the glass ceiling, and when you look mm. at the uh, the parity between uh, female and male. Um, earnings for similar jobs and, and board positions. You, there's an awful lot of boards around the place, but Brickworks is, I guess, um, is one of the oldest companies around, and certainly probably one of the most conservative and staid mm-hmm. companies. So it's hardly surprising that uh, they're one of the most, I guess, boys' clubs around. Yeah, there's a, there's a woman on the board of that. Uh, and speaking of <laughs> speaking of selling things, the New South Wales government's finally sold Transgrid. Yeah, it seems a good price, doesn't it? I mean, they they made a big thing about it yesterday saying saying what a good price it was. The interesting thing that one of the the, the members of the consortium, I guess, is Hastings Fund Management, which is owned by Westpac. And no sooner had they consumed um, the deal yesterday and uh, and ticked all the boxes and handshook and did the press call is that um, it now looks like Hastings Fund Management may be sold by Westpac and they may actually have a takeover approach um, now that they've got such a... um, I guess, good asset and, and bigger um, size of the fund. So uh, that's interesting. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure whether the New South Wales government were aware that uh, Westpac may, uh, may sell the business before they ink the deal, but, um, yeah, it makes it interesting nonetheless. Would they even care as long as they got their $10.3 billion? They wouldn't care where it came from. Well, I guess, I mean, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of media talk about, um, you know, the Chinese... Um, infrastructure mm. funds and government uh, or quasi-government uh, companies buying Australian assets. We saw the port of Darwin uh, going to Chinese interests, which caused some consternation and, and some issues for Malcolm Turnbull when he had a little chat to Obama. Um, and we also saw, of course, uh, the Kidman Pastoral Company um, was going to be sold, but uh, the Treasurer knocked it back. So there are some, some foreign interest issues around these kind of uh, strategic assets, and I guess nothing could be more strategic for New South Wales than, uh, than parts of electricity. Yep, that's right. And McGrath real estate agents are planning to list. I mean, is, is, yeah. this, is this the case of you never buy a broking firm when it's listing? Um, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say they probably missed the top of the property market, but who can, who can say? But certainly, you know, real estate agents must have been making absolute mops in the last uh, couple of years. You know, it's one of the few businesses which I, I find extraordinary that it hasn't been disrupted by technology, how they still get away with uh, you know, 2% agents' fees um, and you pay your own marketing costs and they want you to spend a fortune in your local uh, um, you know, daily newspaper um, colour section is beyond me. It's, um, you know, every single other industry in the world seems to have been disrupted by the internet and digital uh, disruptors and uh, here we have real estate agents just carry on doing what they're doing. It's, it's extraordinary. So, um, yeah, whether there'll be a success on listing, I guess, remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, it might be a sign that we have seen that the peak, certainly for the time being, in property prices in, uh, in New South Wales, anyway. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Henry. Let's take a look at your topic today, salary sacrifice. Yes, we talk about salary sacrifice. Are many people doing it or should they be doing it? Uh, lots of people talk about it um, and um, it, it's quite prevalent in um, the health system um, and government departments and larger companies. 
So tell us more about salary. Well, basically, basically, salary sacrificing is is where you give up part of your salary in exchange for some some other type of benefit. Now, how it basically works is is um, the the most common the most common the most common salary sacrifice that you're, you're likely to come across is is superannuation. So so what you do is instead of um, paying instead of receiving. Um, say, for example, uh, $50,000 a year in wages, you agree with your employer that you receive, say, $40,000 a year in wages and the additional 10000 gets paid into your superannuation fund as a, as a pre-tax superannuation contribution. Now, the benefit to you of that is that, that, that instead of paying tax on your superannuation contribution at your marginal rate, which is probably, that was, say, 30%, um, it, when it goes into your superannuation fund, the tax is only paid at fifteen percent. Oh. So on ten thousand uh, dollars, sorry, sacrifice, uh, super, you're fifteen percent or fifteen hundred dollars better off. You can see the benefits there. Now, what are some of the other areas that people can do for salary? Salary sacrificing, sacrificing you know, it, it's technically available to to basically anything. Um, but the major benefit areas that you will get out of it is a, is uh, cars are the second most popular, I'd say, um, because what happens is there's a formula in the act, um, so the employer can supply you with a car and a um, and uh, maintain motor vehicle, and um, and they reduce your salary by the estimated cost of that. And because of the way the Fringe Benefits Tax Act formula works, um, you're, you're usually a couple of thousand dollars a year better off if you salary sacrifice your motor vehicle rather than buying it outright yourself. Okay. Yeah. Now, of course, that assumes that you want a new motor vehicle because most of the motor vehicles are done on a um, uh, what's called a novated lease arrangement and you have to roll them over every three years. So if you're one of these people who don't believe spending a lot of money on motor vehicles and don't want to do it, sorry for sacrificing a motor vehicle is probably not for you. Um, uh, uh, um, other things you can do, um, um, mobile devices. Um, a lot of employers provide um, the mobile phones or computers. Um, they can all be salary sacrificed and there's various tax concessions available for those. Okay, so there's some, some big benefits there that you can actually yep, enjoy. There's some there's some big benefits on that. And, um, and of course, um, entertainment costs, um, salary sacrificing of those are still available. Um, but they're, they're not. There's complex formulas on those as well. Michael, thank you for waiting patiently. Hi, Michael. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. A bit warm outside, but we're okay yeah, in here. I'm in the air conditioning, so I don't have to worry about it. That's right. <laughs> okay. I just came in on the end of the conversation you were having with uh, the, the other guy. Henry? I think it was Henry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he was talking about uh, a company that had bought up uh, a lot of toll roads and so on. Ah, uh, Transurban. Transurban, was it? Mm-hmm. No, I used to have shares in Transurban. I just wondered whether it was Transurban. Yeah, yeah, it was Transurban. Uh, you say you've, you should have kept them, I suspect. <laughs> I, think, I think I sold them when they were about $9 or something or other. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Not to worry. I just I wondered whether it was Transurban. Yeah, Transurban's brought the uh, BrisConnect tollway in uh, Brisbane, which was a bit of a disaster, and I think they've paid uh, you know some fraction of what it cost to build originally. All right, Michael, thank you for your call. It is Finance Today with Stephen Pritchard, and Gary joins us now. Hello, Gary. Hi, Gary. G'day. G'day. Hi, Gary. I was, I was wondering if anybody markets to retail investors' insurance bonds anymore. Insurance bonds? Yeah, yeah, now, um, yeah, yeah, there's a, um, yeah, there's insurance bonds are still available. Um, I'm just trying to think. 
If you give me a call at the office, um, I'll, 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 by then I'll have thought who sells them. I went to a presentation not so long ago when they were when, when they were promoting them, but I just can't remember which company was actually doing it. So um, if, you, if you give me a call later um, or drop me an email at work, um, I'll be I'll be I'll. I'll we'll dig out the presentation and let you know. Topic today is salary sacrifice. Let's continue and discuss that further. Um, I mentioned to you off here, can it work with health? Uh, you, you can basically salary sacrifice. You can salary sacrifice anything. Anything, but it's when the tax, the concessional tax rules apply, is when it when it when it becomes a particular. When benefit. you truly get the benefits, otherwise That's right. not worth so, it. So, so, for example, if you work for uh, uh, public benevolent institutions, um, they're exempt from fringe benefits tax on the on, I think the first seventeen thousand dollars of benefits now. So they can basically salary sacrifice anything, and and, and that includes uh, homeland repayments, uh, school fees, childcare costs, and home phone costs um, and you know and there's no fringe benefits tax at all paid is there much else that is uh, that's good with the, uh, the fringe the, benefit tax the, anything the, else the Any two major benefits that people use are the cars and um, uh, the cars and superannuation are the, the best benefits right. and then there's some minor property benefits like we've spoken about your notebook or your, your telephone or your um, bits right, and pieces yeah. like that is there any things that are a little tricky about it that you should be aware of um, not really. I mean, you, you've got to make sure you actually want the thing. It's no use salary sacrificing just just to get the benefit when you don't really want a new car or you don't really need a new, or you don't really want a notebook or you don't want a, 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 a computer or whatever. But but um, anyway, that's pretty straightforward other than that. And, and the employer has to agree to it, of course, because there's additional paperwork on the employer. When you're doing salary sacrificing for your super, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes around to tax time, do you uh, look towards getting some benefits each year or is that towards the end? No, no, well, your salary's reduced. So your salary's reduced, so you just pay, it happens each year. So you yeah. pay your tax on additional salary and the fund pays the tax that, that, that you would have paid on your salary, but it pays at a lower rate. So that's why it basically works. Do many people do it, or is it still in the minority? No, nah, salary sacrificing is quite common on super. Um, um, there's, we, we, it's not unusual to see people put in an additional 20 or $30 a week. Um, um, for, from the employer's point of view, it's very easy to administer, which is probably why it's popular. It's not subject to fringe benefits tax, so you don't have to do all that paperwork. And from the uh, the employee's point of view, it's just like, a, I suppose, a forced saving. It comes out of their salary. They don't even notice 20 or $30 a week goes into the superannuation fund. Is so it capped at how much you can actually put in? Uh, yeah, uh, you can contribute up to $35,000 a year. Um, depending on your age, um, but if provided you say below the deductible limit, that's fine. Why is there a dependence on your age for that? Um, because we, we, when you're older, you get paid to claim a larger amount. Oh, okay. And don't ask me what it is because it keeps changing. The number I, worry, is... I worry about it that in June. 49216216 is the number. We've had a couple of calls. Thank you to Michael and Gary. If you'd like to put a call through this morning, uh, this afternoon, really, and talk anything along the lines of personal investment, taxation, or stock market, you can do that by calling Stephen Pritchard now. 49216216. Is it an area of concern for you, something you're interested in? Salary sacrifice? Let's continue to talk about it right now with Stephen. Uh, so, yeah, of course, ob- obviously, that's the main one. Uh, looking at your super. Annuation. So many people like to get involved, and they can get quite a good benefit from yeah, that. Yeah, they can get a big benefit, and particularly if you're coming up to retirement. Um, um, usually, people coming up towards retirement, they're, 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 um, ex- in a lot of cases, their expenses have dropped um, um, because they're, they're no longer paying for the child's uh, 
car and yeah. living expenses and you know the expenses have dropped. And so instead of just putting the money in the um, in a bank account, they're better off um, putting it into their superannuation. Depending bank. on your age, now it's when you are approaching that retirement. You know they keep pushing the goalposts. I think I'm 75 now. I'll be working okay, forever. Like 75. Goes on what year you are. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. So we're, we're, we're 65. So I think I'll be 75. Something like that. <laughs> No, no, so you were born in 65, so you're in the transistor. No, it's not 75, <laughs> I think it's 68. Keep or me working, yeah. That's right, you've got to keep it. Yeah, so there is transitional retirement um, things already in there, and they started to cut in last year. Yes. Yeah, so, but it's not 75. They are moving the goalpost, that's not good. Uh, Why do that? Except if you're a public servant. <laughs> then it's okay. Or a politician, the goalposts don't seem to get They never from. get moved for, for them. No, no. no. Everybody else, you're thinking, great, it looks like 65. No, we'll push you back a few more years. Keep yeah, yeah, well, well, you can still retire. you just got to accumulate the money. That's the thing. Yeah. Any tips on that? What, what can you tell us? How can we get more money in that nest egg? You have to save it. That's it? Just spend less. Spend Any less. Any way you can get more money is to spend less or work more. Try and put it aside. You, you go and get a job at the local club overnight picking up glasses or something. <laughs> Thank you for your tip. Yeah, That's right. That's great. Now, uh, before we go, uh, one last topic I thought you might like to, to finish on today. Something there for us? Um, I think that we've got... Um... You covered everything there. I think we've covered everything there. You've covered most of the stuff there, which is really good. So we appreciate that and thank you for that. Um, And, of course, we will be back again next week. We'll be looking forward to more phone calls, uh, 49216216. You can do that. We are here of a Thursday, and we love having your company. So um, we'll continue to do that next week at 2NURFM. And thank you so much for today, Stephen.